amen. And thank you, Brother Moore, for leading us in that prayer. I'm going to start tonight with the first verse. Read down through verse number 3. We have looked at verse number 1, shared some things about that. Also verse 2. Tonight our focus will be on the third verse. So here is the words of the psalm. First three verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. So we'll be focusing on the third verse tonight. Now this verse, I think, naturally follows uh, what was in verse number 2 and verse number 1. Each one of these verses can be tied together. And you may remember that last Sunday night, uh, the statement, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, He leadeth me beside the still waters, is, I shared with you, that I believe that is uh, uh, making reference to uh, the rest. I believe it pictures the rest that the Bible talks about. And I called your attention to Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 that talks about that rest. And every true believer, the Bible says uh, in chapter 4, it says, For we which have believed do enter into our rest. Now, I believe that's something that's unique and special. I believe it's something that every true believer can experience. It's like peace and assurance that we have in, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it, it is a rest. And uh, regardless of whatever else may go on in this world, then we have that inner peace and we have that inner rest in Christ Jesus. And I think that anyone who uh, truly knows the Lord would experience that. And it is an awesome blessing that we can have in life. And so we come now to this third verse. And I believe that it naturally follows those things that I brought out, brought to your attention from verse number two. Now it, it's it's interesting how these how these goes. He talks about the Lord is my shepherd, and then in verse two, he he maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and then he leadeth me beside the still waters. Then when we come to verse 3, He restoreth my soul. And He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. All of that is talking about the work of our Lord and Savior, our Shepherd, as He works in our life. And so these are the wonderful blessings that He brings uh, to us. So I want us to think about Three things that are brought out in verse 3. And they are a gracious restoration that is promised. There is a divine guidance that is in here. And then there is a godly motive for that. It is something that God 
uh, has uh, done, and it's a motivation on his on his part. Now, glorious restoration. Now, this may seem like a silly illustration, uh, but when I looked looked at this and I thought about it, I thought about uh, how in in the past years gone by, and the Lord had helped me to be able to do something to supplement uh, our family's income. And so I worked at a whole lot of restoration stuff. In other words, what I mean is that, uh, you know, people would have uh, a house with a roof that's shot or uh, floors falling in. You you wouldn't believe some of the jobs that, that I've done over the years. I think that most of it was restoring something. It was all about restoring something. Can you fix this? Can you make this work or that work or whatever? And so Larry Gabbard and I, we worked together for several years and it seemed like every time we turned around, we was fixing something that was messed up. And, uh, and we've uh, replaced floors and jacked up houses and we we did everything and uh, so a lot of it was restoration work and uh, you know not to be boastful but I think I got to be pretty good at it uh, over over time and everything and Larry and I only built one new house just one and boy we did a good job on that too but anyway restoration and when you apply that to our experience, our soul, our spirituality, we are creatures that need to be revived or we need to be restored or we need to be uh, picked up and helped along from time to time. And so that's what it's talking about. It implies a need that we may have in our experience in life. And I know that if you've been saved very long, you understand that how that there's times when maybe a spiritually at a low ebb in life and maybe because of negligence on our part or because of sin on our part that's unconfessed and unforsaken or whatever, we need to be restored. And so that's, I believe that's what it's talking about. David in the Old Testament expressed that very thing when he said in the 51st Psalm, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Had he lost that? He had lost that. It had been diminished at least, but it needed to be restored. And that was his prayer. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And even, uh, maybe we don't like to think about that, but we can actually get ourselves in a position or a place where uh, we lose the joy. We lose the joy. It, it is diminished in our life. And so, that's what he's talking about here when he talks about uh, restoring uh, the soul. I looked at a passage of Scripture. It's in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 22. And here's, here's what verse 21 and 22 says. A voice was heard upon the high places weeping and supplication of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art 
the Lord our God. So that is something that is a real possibility for every believer uh, to become cold maybe in our walk with the Lord and uh, maybe ne negligent along the way. And so that's what David uh, had experienced. And sometimes it comes about as a result of wondering. You know, this psalm is talking about the relationship between sheep and shepherd. And you know the Bible says that sheep have the potential of wondering. As a matter of fact, there's that passage of Scripture that says, all we like sheep, like sheep, have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. So, so the child of God has to guard against that kind of thing or we will become cold and indifferent uh, in our spirituality. And so uh, there's a lot of things that can bring that about in our life. It may be misplaced priorities. And over the years, I've had a, many a person to say, say to me who had gotten cold and indifferent in their walk with the Lord to make the correction or a God making the correction in their life. And they would admit to me, you know, there, there was this in my life and that that uh, took my focus away and caused me to be distracted. And so there's a lot of things that can bring that kind of thing about. It could be just weariness. Weariness. I remember not long ago in our Wednesday night services and we study questions that have come about. And one of them was, can the soul get tired? Can the soul get tired? And I remember we had a study on that subject, whether or not the soul could get tired. And so sometimes we get weary uh, in our walk in life. And then there are troubles and things that come in our life and anxieties uh, and things that cause us to worry or fret or whatever. And I think that every child of God has to be really careful about that. Has to be careful. We know that the devil would distract us in whatever way uh, he could. That, that can happen to us. And so that's something of what this is talking about. So it's a wonderful truth that He restoreth our soul. And I think it's wise on our part to understand that in our walk in this life, we need that. We need, our, we need things to be restored. And of course, He's the one that converted us, and He's the one who can restore us when we need that. Now, we can't do that ourselves. Uh, Brother Aaron and I was talking about uh, uh, causing spirituality or causing zeal or, you know, whatever. And, you know, I could get up here and I could preach and preach and preach about, you know, you ought to have zeal in your Christian walk. You ought to, you ought to have zeal. You know, that would not do a thing unless the Spirit of God created and caused that in, in people's lives. And so we have to depend on Him and trust in Him. And when we realize the need, Lord, I need, I need my zip back or I need my, uh, you know, whatever. And so that's what this is talking about, that He does restore our soul. Now there's an interesting passage in the 85th Psalm. So if you want to turn over there, and uh, we'll look at that in Psalms 85. And here's what it says in verse 4 through 6. The psalmist says this, 
Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause our anger toward us to cease. So, you know, God can become displeased with us. You know, one of the points that I brought to your attention this morning about the joy that was set before our Lord in coming into this world. And one of those joys that He experienced was that of pleasing the Father. And He said, I do always those things that please the Father. And the Father certainly was pleased with Him and stated that. So He says, Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause Thine anger toward us to see. Wilt Thou be angry with us forever? Wilt Thou draw out Thine anger to all generations? And there's a bit of frustration there uh, in those words, not knowing for sure what was going to happen. Uh, that's what the psalmist says. In this sixth verse he says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Revive. And so that was the request that was made here by the psalmist. And that is uh, one form of res- restoration of the soul is reviving the soul. And we, we think about that. And over the years, I've, I've had the privilege of being a little part uh, of some revivals that took place. Not that I caused them to happen. The Lord just uh, pl- was pleased to let me be a little part of that. And uh, I could tell a lot of a lot of things I won't I won't do it. It would sound like I'm taking credit or the glory or whatever. But that's a work of the Holy Spirit in reviving us. And you know, a, a step in the good direction for every child of God is to realize that there may be times when I need that. I need my soul restored. I need to be revived. I, I need Lord. I need you to do a work of grace in my in my heart. And so, that's what this is talking about here in this passage of Scripture. Now, one of my favorite verses talking about reviving is Isaiah chapter 57. And I make reference to this quite often. As a matter of fact, I've preached from this verse I don't know how many times over the years. But it's an awesome verse. And in the 57th chapter here of Isaiah, and verse 15 it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. That's talking about God. Isn't that, isn't that a neat way to state that? Who inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. And then he says, I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. And then he says this, to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite one. You know, I I couldn't help but think about what that psalm says and think about myself. Could I actually be get myself in a place or a position in my thoughts or attitude where I didn't think that I ever needed that? That I ever needed the Spirit to revive me and refresh me spiritually? I would be foolish to think that way because I know better than that. And so that's something of what he's saying here is this 
gracious restoration that, that can happen to us and should happen to us when we realize the need that we have for that. And uh, uh, the, the song writer wrote these words, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We need to understand that that is a reality with us. We have that proneness and we need to guard against that. Now the second thing that we find in this, in this verse is that there's a divine guidance that is talked about in this third verse. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. I think it's Jeremiah uh, in t- chapter 10, and I don't remember exactly the wording that I saw in there reading. This. Yes, it's 10, chap- verse 23 and 24, talking about this leading and this guidance, this divine guidance. Here's what Jeremiah said in verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Isn't that something? The way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. You might say, preacher, I thought different from that. I thought that I knew how to live my life. I knew every step I need to make in life. I knew all of those things. But this is what Jeremiah said. And he said in verse 24, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou being, uh, bring me to nothing. And so, uh, Jeremiah is praying that the Lord would correct him. Would correct him in thinking that way. So, there's a divine guidance that uh, is a part of our experience in life. Now, I thought about uh, Proverbs in the fourth chapter talking about guidance in life. And you know, uh, I think that every uh, believer would be wise to understand that that's something that is needed. That's something that is needing. That our paths need to be directed by the Lord. And that's what that verse in the psalm is saying. That He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. And in the fourth uh, chapter of the Proverbs, it says this uh, in verse 14, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. Then it goes on in the 18th verse, talking about the path of life. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Then he says, the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. And so talking about that path in life. And verse 23 uh, of that chapter says this, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So there's a challenge when it comes to the direction that we take in life, the path of life, uh, to, to use caution and to understand that this is talking about God leading us. 
He says in verse 24, Put away from thee the forward mouth, or stubborn mouth, and perverse lips. Far from thee, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Verse 26, Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And so, talking about uh, his leadership. So, in this verse it says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. He leadeth me. And uh, that's a wonderful thought. Now, talking about turning not to the right or turning to the left, uh, in the book of Joshua, that reminds me of what's said there in the first chapter. And of course, Joshua had come to be the leader of God's people. And this is what it says in chapter 1 and verse 7. God says this, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper in whithersoever thou goest. So is there a promise there of prosperity for walking the straight line? Then he goes on to say this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then, and then thou shalt have good success. So does it pay to follow the Lord? Does it pay to make a special effort to follow His leadership and guidance in our life? And that's what it's talking about. It is a guidance that He provides along the way. Then the last point in that verse is a godly motive in that. Why would God lead you? Why would God lead me? Why would He lead us in the paths of righteousness? And I think this is a very interesting statement that is made here. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. For His namesake. And I think that is really an interesting uh, statement that is made there. And I, I have uh, been fascinated at the different times in the Scripture that it uses that terminology, that that is for His namesake. Uh, and it is that when we are saved, we, we, we bear His name. I am a Christian. And that's, uh, I bear Christ's name. I bear His name wherever I go and whatever I do. I need to be aware of that. Always aware of that. I need to be careful about that. What an awesome honor and privilege it is to bear His name, for Him to put His name upon me. And His, and you know the way this is stated, it's like God is saying uh, that, his, that His name is going to be honored and must be honored. And so He leadeth me for His namesake. For His namesake. And so, let me just share with you some of the times that that's uh, found. I want to I call to your attention 
Uh, first of all, you don't have to turn to this if you don't want to, but I'll I'll just read I'll read it and share it with you. It's in the Revelation chapter fourteen, and um, in after after the Bible teaches in the, in the thirteenth chapter uh, here about uh, the uh, number on us, number of the beast is what he's talking about. But in the fourth first verse, it says this. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand, having the Father's name written in their forehead. Now whatever you might think about that statement, I believe that 144,000 is a number that's uh, uh, figurative. It's, it's, not, it's, it's a number that represents the full full number, but he says they're having the Father's name in their forehead. And every child of God bears the name of the Father. We bear that name with us. Now let me share some of those, uh, some of those places where uh, that is. Let me give you some that are in the Psalms. First of all, Psalms 79. Psalms 79 and verse Nine. And here's what it says in 79 and verse 9. Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of Thy name. The glory of Thy name. And deliver us and purge away our sins for Thy name's sake. So you see there, He says, for the glory of Thy name. Help us for the glory of Thy name. And so, uh, God is to be glorified and honored in our life. Let me give you another one right quickly. In 106, Psalms 106. And here's, here's what it says in verse 8. Psalms 106 and verse 8. Nevertheless, well I'm going to back up to verse 6. We have sinned with our fathers and we have committed iniquity We've done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt, and they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea and at the Red Sea. And here's this interesting verse. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He saved them for his name's sake. Did God save me for His name's sake? Well, I'll tell you this. One of the older Bibles, I guess, that uh, Sue had pretty near wore out or whatever, and I have a stack in my study of Bibles that are just tattered and torn. And I don't know, maybe I said something to you about that before, but I just don't know what to do with old Bibles that we've wore out. I thank God that He has allowed me to wear some out, you know. And I've wore several of them out. And uh, sometimes I, I see people who, they've been packing the same Bible for about 40 years and they ain't wore it out yet. Well, I wear them out. And not do, saying boastfully, but I really do. And my, the pages get so I can't read them anymore from the oil from my hands and things like that. But I run across one of them that Sue had just kind of wore out and had been uh, been put in that stack that I was talking about 
in, in my study at home. And I happened to be looking, and where it says, He saved them for His name's sake, that He might make His power known. She had written in there, that's why He saved me. Think about that. And I was inspired by my little honey for a note that I found uh, in, in a Bible that she had. That's what she said, that He saved me uh, for the same reason, for His namesake. And so we find that statement made several times in the Scripture. Uh, in, in the book of Isaiah, and in, in chapter 48, there's another one there. Isaiah 48, verse 9 and 10. Here's what it says. For my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise I will refrain from thee that, cut, uh, that I cut thee not off. Behold, I have refined thee, uh, but not with silver, and have chosen thee from the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, even mine own sake, will I do it. For how shall my name uh, be polluted, and I will not give my glory to another. So, think about that. Polluting His name. And uh, I've known some over the years that claim to bear His name and to act in such a way in life as to bring reproach on the name of the Lord by the way they live their lives and the things they've done. I've known that to happen. And so, uh, that's what He's talking about and then in 57, Isaiah 57, uh, and in verse uh, number 15, for thus, no, that's not the right one. Uh, in, let, me, let me call your attention to the book of Ezekiel. In chapter uh, 20, uh, in Ezekiel, chapter 20, and it just, I'm sharing these because I think it's interesting how many times that we see this. Uh, in, in the Scriptures, in chapter number 20. And I'll find it here in just a minute. Chapter 20 and verse 14. Chapter 20 and verse 14. And here's what it says. Uh, but I wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them out. You remember what God said to David after his great sin? He caused others to bring reproach on him because of that, on the Lord. And, uh, you know, we use a statement sometime about dragging the name of Jesus in the dirt or whatever. Well, we need to be careful about that because I bear his name. I really do. I bear the name of my. Lord, and then in chapter 36 of Ezekiel, we find another illustration of that. In chapter 36 of Ezekiel, and in verse 21 through 27, I'll read that. And it says, But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathens, whither they went. So you see, uh, you know, I think it's a challenging thought to think that I bear the name of my Lord. I bear that name. He put that name uh, on me. 
Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the heathen where they went. I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the brethren uh, shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you. Sanctified, set apart uh, in, in you. And, you know, we don't claim that we're any better than anybody else in this world. I certainly don't. But I will tell you one thing. In this world, in my journey, I carry the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everywhere I go, and every person I'm around. And so this is what it's talking about. He went on to say, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of it out of all countries, and I'll bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and shall be, you shall be clean for all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And then this passage that means so much to us, and a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Is this a work of grace that God does in the experience of every believer? It is. Do you think it's important to the Lord how we live our life and our testimony? And it is. And so that's what God is saying there. That it is for His name's sake. I think that's an awesome verse. I think it's an awesome word. He restoreth my soul. Sometimes I need it. I admit it. At times I need it. And Lord, help me not to ever be of the attitude where I don't ever need that kind of thing. I don't ever need to be revived spiritually. Because I know that I do. And that's what that's talking about. And then be thankful for that fact that He brings out. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For His namesake. For His namesake. Isn't that good? Father, we thank and praise You for the privilege we've had to look at this verse. It's been a blessing to me to think on these things. I pray You'd speak to our hearts as we have examined the things that are found here. Bless us as we close the service with a a number and uh, speak to our hearts as You see fit. In Jesus' name and for His sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand together with me while Brother Aaron leads us.